People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Is. What a week in Bravo news. There is something in the water. It's just nonstop. I mean, the celebrity world is also having a lot going on, but I just feel like there was just so much chatter this week. Like everyone was talking and buzzing and we really just have a lot to get into here. I just don't know how I would try to attempt to explain to a non-Bravo watcher what it means or why it is such a big deal that Carol Razdowell drops the bombshell that it was Michael Cohen, aka Trump's former lawyer, that apparently took the photo of Tom D'Agostino cheating on Luann at the Regency. Like, there's so many things happening there, and it had elicited <laughs> such this shocked reaction for me. But, like, I wouldn't know how to explain that to someone. I know that's like the kind of headline that would put an alien into a coma. Yeah, a Victorian child, forget about it. Oh my God, forget about it. <laughs> this was nuts. So basically for anyone who didn't see, Carol Raswell was on Heather McDonald's podcast. We'll put the links in the description, but I just know if you're listening to this, you've already seen the clips. And they talked about a bunch of things, but one of the things that Carol revealed is that apparently it was Michael Cohen who took that photo of Tom. I'm going to read this part verbatim. She said, Talk about there are no secrets. About six months ago, I'm having dinner downtown with a friend of mine who's in the movie business and in walks Michael Cohen. And Michael Cohen, I know, is Trump's lawyer. And I'm like, oh my God. And Michael wrote a book and was talking to my friend about doing something with the book. And I was like, fucking Michael Cohen is at dinner. And he sits down and he's a character and I'm prepared to not like him because all I know him from is the impeachment trials. I gotta be honest, he was really funny. He's like, I know you. And I'm like, you don't know me. He goes, I know you. I met you 10 years ago with Aviva Drescher. I know all those effing housewives. He gets Harry Dubin on the phone. Then we started talking about Tom or the wedding. And he's like, oh, please, of course I know Tom. Who do you think took the picture? And I was like, wait, what? And he goes, who do you think took the picture at the Regency? Michael Cohen. Dennis Shields, who was Bethany's then boyfriend, was friends with Michael Cohen. They both lived in Trump Towers. He said, I took the picture. Tom eventually knew that Michael Cohen had taken the photo that ended up being forwarded to Bethany and ended up being on the show. This is what he was telling me. I thought actually production had sent something up, but in a million years, I would not have thought that Michael Cohen was going to sit down at dinner and like tell this whole story about how he took the picture. Like what? This is the kind of thing where it's information I didn't know I needed. I had been sleeping at night so soundly, just happy that we had that scene and the, the way that all went down because it truly... I think was one of the most incredible reality TV moments. But never once did I ever really care or feel this like lacking of knowledge about who took the picture. It sort of didn't matter. But the fact that Carol is now saying it's Michael Cohen, even just like the idea of Michael Cohen sitting down and talking about housewives and knowing that that picture is even a thing is just, it's like literally you cannot write this shit. No, you cannot write this shit. And also, not to really get so much into it, but do you want to, for a moment, outline the back and forth between Carol and Bethany? Because Bethany responded to this. Carol had something to say. Like, by no means am I craving the Bethany-Carol feud to be reignited. There's so many other things going on right now that I don't necessarily need that. However, 
what was going on this week with the little back and forth, it was feeding something inside of me. I can't lie to you. I mean, we just simply do not have enough time or space for me to get into my feelings on Bethany and Carol, both individually and also their friendship, because it like I could write a dissertation. And it's hard because back in the day, I loved them as friends when they were both in that sweet spot. But you know, the back and forth and remembering where they were at a certain time now is just, it's absolutely wild. So this is like just a very small snippet and we'll get into this in a second, but I really think Carol feels almost empowered in a way to be able to comment and speak on these things because of how public Bethany is and because of the way in which she now puts her opinions out there. You know, it's not like she's digging and Bethany is trying to run away from it. And naturally, of course, we know Bethany now had to respond to this because she responds to everything. So if it's going to be about her, there's no question that she's going to come on and talk about it. She made a TikTok and the sentiment of the TikTok is don't believe everything you hear. The woman who actually took this photo is texting me right now and we're laughing about this. And I, without saying it, is saying that what Carol has said on this podcast is not true and you shouldn't believe it. Then Carol, on her story, posts a screenshot from TikTok, another TikTok account called Celeb Fail, saying that Bethany was busted and that really, when you look back at the reunion and the scenes from that the time... Bethany keeps referring to who sent her the photo as a guy. Even Luann clarifies, oh, it was a guy who sent it. And Bethany says, yes. So Celeb fails calling her out saying, you're busted. You have to either show receipts. You don't have receipts. And at the time, you were calling it a guy. Carol screenshots that and herself writes, to Celeb Fail Official, if you aren't following this account, please do. They, quote, know it all and mention it all. Whoever they are, they have receipts like a veteran housewife at a reunion. Listen to more of her bullshit. Then she calls Michael Cohen uninformed. That's rich with an eye-rolling emoji. And then separately in a comment, she said that Bethany was shrewd but not intelligent. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, even Carol on Juicy Scoop calls her narcissistic. and. Carol is a really interesting perspective because she's had a front row seat and she's also been very, very close to her. I mean, granted, they were both very different at the time, but now she can kind of sit back and just be like a consumer and a lover of pop culture, which she is, but also have such a deep knowledge and understanding of what really goes on that her commentary on the situation is just like the perspective that I think we really need. And now she sort of feels free to give her unfiltered thoughts on all of the situations, regardless of if she's included in it or not. A thousand percent. I mean, that's the thing that Bethany is doing and it's clearly very intentional. Like she wants to be everywhere. She is not having any fear of oversaturating. And so I think sometimes when someone puts themselves out there in that way, it allows other people, whether commentators or former friends slash colleagues to feel more free to speak on it because she's giving so much material to be spoken about. And it's not even that Carol's directly responding to what Bethany's putting out there, but it's just like when someone is, is being as visible as Bethany is being currently, it makes it a lot easier to talk about them. I just, it's like, I know what we're about to get into is the Raquel interview, obviously. And that's of course what I want to talk about and you said this to me like a minute before we started recording, it is a little bit difficult to talk about something like the Carol situation or the Raquel interview in isolation because it all does fall under the more general umbrella of like this new era of Bethany that I think we as a Bravo audience are collectively processing. Some of us have formed strong opinions of it. Some of us are still processing what's going on. You know, some people have really maintained being massive fans. Depending on where you land, it doesn't even really matter. It's just like a lot is happening. And I find myself, even when, you know, listening to Raquel, I'm I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking of like, how did we get here with Bethany? I mean, personally, if you're asking me, this Bethany is almost unrecognizable. Maybe that's because I went back and watched all of the old seasons of Housewives. And yes, she's always been herself, but this is just a completely different person. I mean, there was an era where she was like the most private, really like 
became that celebrity where it was no photos, no housewives, behind the scenes, kept everything so close. And I, I don't know. I mean, you're right. We could just do episodes and episodes about this new era of Bethany. And these are all just like small pieces of this larger Bethany puzzle and conversation that have come to it. But I do think the Raquel podcast for a lot of people was a breaking point because I don't know, it just, it, it meant a lot more and it is so public and the, it represents a lot of things that people I think are not loving about her, which let's just get into. As we all know, Bethany had Raquel on her podcast for Raquel's first ever sit-down post-scandal. It's her first time doing an interview, really speaking about the situation since the reunion. As we know, she's been kind of laying low. She's been in a mental health facility, and she really has not spoken on the situation. So naturally, this was a very big deal. I also want to say... We are recording this after part two has been released. Apparently, part three is being released tomorrow, but if we wanted to get the episode up, we had to do it after part two. So I know by the time this comes out, part three of the interview will probably come out. We'll talk about that next week if, if necessary. But what I want to say before getting into anything, any details, is that the most important context to have here is Bethany was not doing this interview because she's some diehard Vanderpump fan because she really wanted to get the exclusive with Raquel. She is doing it because it is all under her general umbrella of this movement she has started called the Reality Reckoning, where you know she basically believes there is a lot of exploitation without compensation and almost an attempt to kind of unionize the reality television industry. And so it's something she has been talking about for a while now when Scandaval got big, even though she was not a Vanderpump viewer, she really did not have any knowledge on the situation. She started viewing it from this lens, has been speaking on it. According to what was mentioned in the episode, her speaking about it was the reason that Raquel's team approached her to even come on here. And so what I just need to make so abundantly clear, and I know if you listened, you probably felt this way as well. Like, not to say we weren't hearing Raquel's story, but we were hearing Raquel's story under the umbrella of it just so happening to fit very well into Bethany's agenda. And th- that connection is so important to be said before getting into anything because it changed the entire tone of this. Yeah, honestly, I found it distracting in a way because, look, she does call it the reality reckoning as the title of the episode. So we know that that's where it's coming from. And they sort of kick it off by saying Raquel had heard Bethany mention her name when she was talking about her mission and people that have been exploited, which I think Raquel fits into that category. Her team reached out to Bethany and they wanted to do this interview, which in theory, I can understand why. It's Bethany Frankel. She's a very successful podcast. She, for many, many years, has been almost like the face of Housewives, one of the biggest success stories and has such a business mind. Why wouldn't Raquel want that to be her first podcast, you know, after treatment and after the reunion to sort of share her truth and her side of the story? However, this podcast was completely not about Raquel and her story and really was about Bethany. Like that's just the best way I can put it. I think Raquel could have done someone else's podcast who really, really understood the layers, who like all of us as viewers went back and watched all 10 seasons of Vanderpump Rules who were following so closely on social media. Whereas Bethany didn't even know the players or how long any of it went on or never even watched an episode of Vanderpump Rules, just was going based on what she saw on TikTok and social media and a couple of things that she watched and read. My personal feeling, if I was Raquel's team, is that I would look back and say, you should have done an interview with someone like that who was prepared. And then if you wanted to go on Bethany's show and really discuss Bethany's mission and the exploitation and the feelings you have about the wrongdoings of the network and the structure of reality TV, that's fine. But I just honestly think it was a disservice to Raquel overall. And honestly, annoying for us as viewers who maybe have been waiting to hear from her or actually think that there are some interesting things she would say or questions that we don't have answered yet. That it, it, it like pigeonholed her in this in this strange way, and I I truly am not coming at it from the angle of like I don't want to hear one fucking thing that she has to say. Like that's not it. I'm gonna be honest with you. If she were to have sat down and done this 
really intense interview with someone who had all of the facts, who asked her the questions, I would listen. I'm not saying my opinions would necessarily change, but I can listen. I can go in with an open mind. I can have empathy and compassion for what she went through while still acknowledging what she did was terrible. But because it it was, you're right, distracting is such a good word for it. That's really how it felt. It's like, it was almost like you were, you were being edged. Like she would talk about some of the things and then immediately we had to figure out how it circled back to the core mission because the only reason that she's here and the only reason that Bethany is giving her this platform is because she fits the bill for what Bethany wants her mission to be. And I think what ended up being the most ironic part of this whole thing is Bethany going into this, her mission, her agenda, what she has been preaching is to not have exploitation without compensation, meaning people should not be dragged through the mud and every inch of their life exposed and then really have nothing to show for it. And what ended up happening from this interview is that the public, I think, felt it was so deeply hypocritical because that's almost how it felt. Like here is Raquel for the first time post-mental health treatment facility sharing her story, yet sharing her story on Bethany's podcast that has a plethora of ads that Bethany is now going to be monetizing from reliving Raquel's trauma. And it's, it's, I don't think it's funny. It's like for somebody who I do believe is very, very smart, I do not believe Bethany for one second, consider that that would actually be the public reaction. I'm not saying she thought everyone would be on board with it, but I don't think she ever thought she would be then accused of the very thing she is accusing the network of. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the season changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Oh God, there's just, I mean, the chatter about this, everybody is talking about this because it's scandal. It's part of it. We haven't had something go on or heard from someone that's really been quiet. I mean, they've been filming the show. I've seen some videos where Ariana and Tom are like kind of close together, like walking in side by side, not together, but in a line into a restaurant. And that's piqued my interest, but truly I haven't thought about it and I feel very settled. So now to have Raquel back, I'm like, okay, what am I still wanting to know? What am I still curious about? How is she doing now? How is her perspective different, obviously, than the reunion, which was in the thick of it? And I just 
you're, you're right. We got blue balled. I didn't get any of that. And having to sit and listen to Bethany Google what was going on and cry when she's repeating the things that were said to Raquel and saying to her, and, and they just let you, they wanted you to walk away. No one gave you a tissue. Andy kept telling you to come back. By the way, back to the hypocritical thing, everyone's posting all the clips of the shit that Bethany has said over the years. And by the way, we're in the business of television and real life. People say things like that in real life. Of course, it's exaggerated and, you know, taken up so many notches to be entertaining, but she's no saint. And it's just, it was so self-serving in a lot of ways. And I think us as invested, educated, researched viewers felt just like this was not the right move. And honestly, if anything, I think a lot of people felt like Bethany has this mission and she's just deterring people completely the opposite direction because of how she's handling it all. Right. And it's not even to say, I'm not going to pretend that I am educated enough in exactly what goes into the behind the scenes of reality television to say whether the core of her mission is something that one could be carried out or two, that every single piece of it is worthwhile. Generally speaking, in theory, I do agree with, you know, people being compensated for the value that they're providing, but like, I can't, I'm not informed enough to really speak to the logistics of it, but I can say from the perspective of a diehard Vanderpump viewer who followed Scandaval as closely as I have ever followed any pop culture story in my life, that I really do believe it ended up being a disservice to Raquel. And what's upsetting about it is, you know, the thing is what Raquel went through, like whether or not you think she's the worst person in the world, but for anything else aside, like it is still very interesting to hear it from her perspective because there were only three people in the entire world that knew exactly what this was like on a firsthand level, Tom, Ariana, and Raquel. And so even if I cannot stand Sandoval, I cannot stand Raquel, I'm still interested to hear from their perspective because it's a perspective that no one else has. So when she's talking about doing those last five minutes of her interview, and in that moment, she realized, you know what? I, I know that I'm about to betray Tom because we had secrets that we were going to take to the grave. And I was supposed to keep the fact that I went to St. Louis to see his family a secret. And I was supposed to keep the lying about the timeline a secret. And I knew that by revealing that, yes, I was setting myself free, but I was now going to be completely isolated. Because as she said, she'd been isolated from everyone else. She had lost all of her friends. Tom was really the only one that she had. And she made the decision to reveal that, knowing what that would do, and then immediately left to check herself into the mental health facility. I'm interested in that. And instead of really going there and being able to speak more about that, it was again, completely redirected to now falling under Bethany's agenda. And it was very, very frustrating. And I, it's like, I'm not going to say it was Howie Mandel 2.0 because it had a different tone, but in a way it kind of was in that, like, if you want to know every single fact of what went down and then have this deeply sympathetic approach to Sandoval and Raquel, that's fine. That's your prerogative. I may disagree with you, but at least you are fully informed. It feels disrespectful as a viewer that's followed this so closely to have someone, aka Bethany, trying to tell all of us that we are basically terrible people for, you know, not only following this in the way that we did, but for, um, feeling these feelings towards Raquel when she hadn't even been in the journey in the first place. It's like, I'm not saying that you should not have compassion for this person. Of course, that is completely fair and fine. But like, you can't come in at the 11th hour and then tell everyone else the way that they handled it was wrong. You can only do that if you too have been on the journey. It's just like, when I think about this podcast now, nothing is about Raquel and things she said because she was never even able to get there. It was almost insulting of Bethany to try and disguise this as a real, like Raquel speaks out and sits down for the first time because that's not what it was at all. It was almost like she was asking those questions and going through those things as a courtesy and just like doing it so that she could get the episode out and maybe get some headlines and some buzzworthy things. But again, it was really about the mission and trying to hone in on her own points. So it was like, why are you even pretending? You know, it was like, get uh, get rid of these pleasantries. Like, don't do that for us. Because again, everything we got out of Raquel was pretty much surface level. It was things that we knew. It was things that we have been following. It was, yes, an update on how she's doing and, you know, hearing from her. But we are interested in what she has to say, you know? Even if you are a villain in the story, I still am curious of what you think now and 
with your new given perspective. And like, she just wasn't given that. And just overall, it was very frustrating for so many reasons. And I do think it brought people's frustrations with Bethany to a surface level and like a tipping point where they just feel like, okay, it's one thing when you're making all these TikToks about beauty products and we're like, hmm, what's going on with Bethany? But now, you know, you're getting into our shit that I think people maybe including us feel a little bit protective over. I, 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 yeah. And I'm, I'm struggling because in theory, it's like, I don't disagree that anyone involved, regardless of the decision that you made, of course, should be treated like a human being. It's not like when Bethany is sitting there saying that if it was her daughter, she would be distraught that I think she's crazy for saying that. Like, it's technically a completely fair point. And for her to ask Raquel what it was like for her parents, those are all totally fair questions. No matter how you feel about the person, she's still a human being with emotions. It's, it was just, this is what it was. What I wanted to say or what I was feeling listening was like, any goal of trying to convince the listeners that there was some major injustice happening here in terms of the way that she was treated behind the scenes or the way that the network is continuing to profit was completely, completely undermined by the overly obvious and not even attempted to be subtle lack of research and information going in. You can't be trying to get us us, meaning the informed listener and viewer on board with your agenda while interviewing Raquel, you are doing the research. I, I'm sorry. It's, it's just not going to fly for me. And it was, it, ugh, I like, I'm so annoyed at Raquel on that, that, that she did this. I'm annoyed at Raquel and her team that I don't want to say they got played by Bethany because it wasn't like Bethany was out there dying to, to, you know, convincing her to get on. That's not what happened. According to both of them, it was really Raquel's team that reached out, but it was like, you guys should have been better than this because she'd actually done a really good job of laying low. And if there was ever any chance for her to come back in any capacity, this wasn't it. And it, and I, I feel like sorry about that almost. Because Raquel now takes on all the Bethany shit. If she had just gone on a podcast where it was actually about the interview, about the questions and about her, then it's all on her. But she can't control the Bethany aspect of it. But again, as I said earlier, I understand the allure. I understand the smoke and mirrors of Bethany Frankel. She felt like an ally. She was rooting for Raquel in this way because of her own agenda and has a successful platform. Like I I don't fault her team and herself for falling into that trap. It just ended up, you know, honestly though, I don't think it was necessarily bad for Raquel. I just think it didn't really accomplish anything that she was setting out to do and was almost a a waste of an interview. But another interesting point that you made to me earlier was everyone is being very critical of Bethany. Like you said, there's a lot of ads. Of course, she's profiting. This is a top charting episode and a podcast. And everything she stands for is that it should be fair and equal and that the exploitation should be compensated. Is she paying her for this podcast interview? That's not usually the norm. It really usually falls under press and PR and you sort of do it for your own good and the exposure or whatever to get your story out there. I can see a world where perhaps that wasn't discussed or brought into it, but now given the feedback, Bethany will go to Raquel and say, I'll pay you X amount, you know, profits, whatever, as the listening goes up you know, whatever I get, you'll get a piece of it and maybe say that she realized it after, but also maybe disguise it as like, of course, that was always how it was going to go because that's how I believe. But then what kind of standard is that setting? Like, it's just a snowball. And now Raquel is dragged through all of this. It's like, you didn't need that. But that's what I was saying to you. It's like, I know everyone is making that point of how hypocritical it is. And it's not that I at all disagree. I just... I so could see a world that Bethany does that, that she potentially pays her. So that's why it's like, that's not the hill that I'm dying on because I could see us looking really stupid if that, you know, does come out. Although it's like a completely fair thought, of course, that people are, that people are thinking about. I just, it's so weird. I simultaneously have a million things to say and nothing to say, because I do feel that anyone who listened to this, like you kind of get it. Nothing needs to be said, but obviously we have a podcast. We're going to like say shit. Um, But but the, the point that I wanted to make is, you know, we really know Bethany, right? Even though she's, of course, changed over the years. The one thing that is consistent is she's deeply, deeply outspoken on things that she knows about, on things that she doesn't know about. She just wants to talk about it. And for somebody who is so opinionated, 
Another thing that I was feeling while listening is like, I can't imagine that Bethany would have had this same reaction if she watched the season in the way that we did. And she saw, for example, that conversation between Raquel and Ariana, where Ariana is confiding in Raquel about the deep intimacy issues between her and Tom. Bethany is doing this this whole entire podcast without the knowledge of these very specific scenes that of course, help to form our opinion about this whole thing. And the irony is that she would be the first one, if watching this, to have such a strong opinion on how disgusting that was of Raquel. And it's like, how are you all of a sudden going to remove your most defining personality trait just for the sole mission of furthering your agenda? Like, it, I don't know, it just feels so disingenuous to me. Exactly. And it's not like when you're just a quote normal person and you can change who you are and the receipts don't follow you in that way, everything about Bethany has been filmed and taped and documented for a decade. Like we know who you are and we've seen it in action. So you're right. Like anyone who would show up to an interview or a conversation ill-prepared, Bethany would rip them apart. So it's like, now you're going to show up to this big interview that you know is going to be streamed and downloaded and talked about and you're going to say I don't I haven't seen anything I don't know anything about it but I'm going to conduct this big interview. It's just it's nuts and by the way as you're talking I'm sitting here like we've been speaking about this for 20 minutes and we have not once touched on anything Raquel said. Exactly. And that's that's what's so fucking annoying if I'm Raquel. It's like, she, there were some valuable things that she said. She talked about why she was addicted to men like Sandoval who were unavailable, who were providing her a false sense of intimacy. She talked about what it was like to be at this mental health facility. She talked about some real shit. Even if you absolutely fucking hate her, she still went through a very even if brought on by herself, traumatic experience that she is now sharing, you know? It's interesting, whatever. It, it is. It's interesting. It's, it is. And also like, I'm, I'm interested, even if I completely disagree, I am interested to hear from her perspective, like what she thinks of different people involved. Not because I agree with it, but I just am like, I want to hear what everyone thinks about everyone from all of their POVs. And so what, wait, hold on. I, I'm sorry, I, not to totally take a left turn, but when she says the thing about, yeah, and you know, me and Ariana were really never friends. We were just acquaintances. We only hung out because Tom and I were hanging out so much. So of course we hung out then, but we never went to meals alone. We never went shopping alone. I'm like, where is this switch up coming from? And by the way, Bethany, if you had been an informed viewer, you would have said, which was a very fair question, Hmm, that's interesting because not only did the show and Ariana make it seem that way, but you yourself really made it seem that way in your post scandal confessional. So which is the true version? Like, oh my God. That reminds me, I think my most frustrating moment was when Raquel started talking about how Ariana and Tom, it was really a business arrangement and they lived together, but it, it was going nowhere. And I never would have done it if I thought it was like a really good and solid relationship. And now Bethany, because she is starting at a level like zero of information, of course, anything Raquel says, she now is taking as truth. So she's like, oh, okay. So their their relationship wasn't anything. And so that's why you felt like it was fine. And I mean, imagine any interviewer or like a debate monitor not knowing their own actual truth or doing the research, like then the rest of her questions at that point, I'm like, wait, you, you never saw anything or you no. don't know, you don't know anything about them. How now am I supposed to be like yelling through my phone and saying, wait, you as the interviewer don't have an informed opinion. We're just going with what Raquel says. And she just pulled that out of thin air. How, how, how can we get away with that? Isabel. It is so important that we read that line verbatim. What Raquel said to Bethany was, and I quote, I would not have been involved if I thought there was longevity, meaning if I thought there was longevity in Tom and Ariana's relationship. That right there, that sentence and Bethany's response or lack of response is all we need to know and need to say about that. Because in any other world, Bethany Frankel who would describe herself as completely intolerable of bullshit would have said, I am sorry, I may be on your side, but that is the most bullshit reasoning I've ever heard. Your subjective opinion of someone else's relationship does not justify you cheating with one of the people in said relationship. That is an absolutely ridiculous thought process. I don't give a shit who these people are. You cannot say, 
I mean, I, I thought that they were going to break up anyway. I didn't think that they were in it for the long, it doesn't matter. They were still together. Whatever you think and whatever Tom was telling you or whatever your view or anyone else's view of the stability of their relationship, it doesn't matter because bottom line, in Ariana's mind, that wasn't what was happening. And so it's, it's, it's such a, I mean, think, think about Bethany hearing that from literally anyone else, anyone else that didn't just so happen to fit her agenda and nodding along with that. That is the most bullshit thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. The Bethany Frankel I know would have said, hold on. Of course, the guy who you're sleeping with is going to say that to you. He wants to get in your pants every night. Like he's going to say whatever he wants you to hear. Like how she has these blinders on, or maybe she's just so consumed in her own world that it's like, okay, I'm conducting this serious Diane Sawyer interview and I'm just going through piece by piece. Like, I think she really thought she was doing something there and she just, she didn't. I think what I just found to be so frustrating is if we were zooming out for a second and we weren't so in the nitty gritty, like I said, generally speaking, I'm not so entirely opposed to Bethany's message of like, I can't speak to the logistics of what goes on behind the scenes reality television, but generally speaking, if you're saying that there is potentially a more fair or just way to do things where entertainment figures are fairly compensated and it's a little bit more humane, great. Like then, then we all win. That's not what I'm opposing here, but it was that, this, the situation is so specific. It's not how Bethany keeps wanting to make it like when she's promoting the episode and she says on her TikTok, you got to listen to my interview with Rachel because she's the first ever 20 something to make a mistake. It's like, listen, I am on board with you that the absolute hatred and vicious language that was being hurled her way by fans and viewers and people that were sending her death threats was not warranted. I don't think anybody is deserving of that. However, you are not allowed to paint this entire thing with such vague brushstrokes and not zone in on the fact of, what about the fact that she was sleeping in the house with him while Ariana was in the house? What about the fact that Ariana leaves to go to her grandmother's funeral, who she's deeply distraught about in the same time frame that she loses her dog of like 13, 17 years. And you as her friend are actively fucking her boyfriend of a decade. Like you can't pick and choose when you want to apply vagueness to the situation. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> that would send Bethany into a coma, by the way, all that information. She has no idea. That's what I'm saying. And it's like, I'm sitting, but I'm sitting here with you and I'm like, why am I getting so worked up over this? Like, and and I just think it's because it, I, that's exactly, you know what? That's what, honestly, it's because I feel disrespected as a Bravo viewer. That's how I feel. <laughs> like I put all this time, effort, work, sweat, blood, tears into this, watching, reading, like everything. And, and this is what I get. It's, it's just wrong. The whole thing was wrong. And I, I don't want to, it's like there were pieces of it that I are valuable. Like what I can't pretend to say to you that every single thing Raquel says is bullshit. It's not. Some of the stuff is total bullshit, but her recounting her emotional experience in the mental health facility, like you're never going to find me saying that I don't want to hear about that. I do. I'm just, I'm curious. And you know, she's a human being, but it's like, God damn it. Give me a fucking break. Don't sandwich that in with so much of this other stuff. You know, what's hurtful though. When it was Howie Mandel, fine. I I don't feel either way about Howie Mandel. I didn't think about him before and I don't think about him after. With Bethany, it's bringing up so many emotions that I've been trying not to confront about just who she is and sort of this hole that she's digging herself into because I so deeply love and care for her and have felt so like connected to her on her journey. I mean, I watched Bethany ever after. I was in the nitty gritty with her assistants and Jason and the baby and the wedding and her very first seasons of Housewives. Like, I think, yes, top level. I'm so frustrated by this interview, but deeper than that, I think we all have sort of now had to come to the point where it's like, all right, I guess we're going to have to talk about this because now you're bleeding into what we know and love. And it's like, it's, you can't ignore it anymore. I can't just swipe past her video talking about dollar store makeup because now it's like, it's in my sphere. Now it's, now it's personal. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to critique your, your opinions on the Olay hyaluronic acid. If you love that more power to you. Do you? you? Yeah. Do you, you want to talk about the L'Oreal bronzing drops? Go at it. And by the way, I say that as someone who 
even if I disagree with a lot of the stuff, I do get infatuated with her. I can't tell you how many times I have watched Bethany Frankel scoop out her previously frozen bagels from the freezer. <laughs> Let's fight about my breakfast. Right. Scoop that, scoop that shit out. Put some friendship cottage cheese. I watched today. I watched her entire uh, cottage cheese ranking with Daisy and friendship and good culture and breakstone. And I'm interested. Sue me. I'm fucking interested. <laughs> Yet it's like, it's like, do all of that. Don't come for something that we have invested so much time into. We're recording the fucking Scandaval recap episodes at like 1.30 falling over so tired because we want to get it up the next day because we've been researching this till we're blue in the face. I'm making my poor dad, you know, learn every single inch of what's going on. He never heard Tom Sandoval's name in his life. 40 weeks deep in Katie Maloney's mom's Instagram reels to try and figure out exactly what time and date they went to Vegas to get the timeline straight. Like, Bethany, call me when you're you're talking to Terry Maloney territory. Right, exactly. Because until then, I'm sorry, unfortunately, I'm categorizing you with Howie Mandel. And in in this current world, that is just not a situation you want to find yourself in. And it's upsetting. And I just, I know there's a million things to say. I know we could really go through the specifics. We can put some links to people that really recapped the episode, but I just, this was a miss and it's upsetting that it was a miss because there was a world in which it could have been a win. And, uh, I just, holy shit, I can't believe this happened. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over-the-counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com comments today. I know we don't normally talk about Below Deck. I personally am not a religious watcher and it's the kind of show really enjoyable to watch, not always the best to recap, but we got so many DMs about Below Deck Down Under season two, episode seven, that we watched it. And I mean, not only was everyone so unbelievably right that it was something that needed to be seen and needed to be talked about, but I also just want to say, honestly, thank you, because I never would have thought to watch this. And to me, this was the kind of thing that 
this so goes beyond like reality TV Bravo. This was a real life example of situations that unfortunately happen to so many people and also a really positive example of how this type of thing should be handled in a work environment. And I just, it goes so beyond like a normal discussion about reality TV. It's so much bigger than that. And I am really, really so happy that that we watched it. That's how I felt. It completely transcended a television show. And I think especially coming off the conversation and the whole Bethany thing about really criticizing reality TV, this is when you see yourself and real life situations play out and they're important to watch. And I felt myself holding my breath the entire time. And I just felt like it was such a powerful moment on TV. And I mean, just like really not what you're expecting when you're watching a show about usually where it's just them planning parties and dinners for guests that are really, you know, hard to please on a mega yacht. And this is really the reality of these situations. So what we're talking about here is Below Deck, Down Under, Season 2, Episode 7. Like I said, I would highly recommend anyone watching this, even if you are not a typical Below Deck or Below Deck, Down Under viewer like myself, it's really worthy of a watch. I want to give a trigger warning before we get into it for sexual misconduct. But we kind of thought a good way to start this off was with an article that was published in the LA Times after the episode aired titled, Why the Leaders on Below Deck, Down Under Fire Two Castmates for Misconduct. And I just want to read the first few paragraphs. In the wee hours one spring day last year, a situation was unfolding in Australia inside the Northern Sun luxury super yacht that's at the center of Bravo's below deck down under. Members of the hard partying and rambunctious yacht crew, fresh from finishing a multi-day charter, were stumbling back to their quarters after a drink-fueled night out. Such celebratory outings are a regular occurrence once the crew has completed a trip catering to the needs of demanding guests. It's rarely a quiet return. This time, though, the inappropriate behavior displayed by two crew members, Bosun Luke and second steward Laura, led to their termination from the crew and the end of their time on the series. Each tried to get in bed with castmates who didn't give their consent. Heavy drinking is not uncommon on the compulsively watchable Below Deck franchise. Whether it's charter guests living it up during their luck stay or off-duty yacht staff unwinding after days of exhausting work. The drunken antics typically reveal embarrassing behavior that often fuels the next day's on-camera drama. But the turn of events depicted in the two most recent episodes of Below Deck Down Under quickly prompted conversation on social media. Many praised the swift handling of the situation, both by the yacht crew superiors and the show's production team, as well as the episode's larger exploration of consent. Quote, it was a hard night. The whole thing was very, very difficult, said Nadine Rajabi, one of the show's executive producers. Quote, I didn't realize the response that would come of this because that was not anything that we were thinking about. It's not anything to be congratulated on because it was just about doing the right thing. I would hope that everybody would act in that way. It was about safety. Which I do want to be cautious just going into the discussion of not falling into the trap of overpraising the behavior of production and of the other crew members. Not to say because it wasn't handled in a very exemplary way, but I think what happens is sometimes we're so used to these situations being handled so poorly that then when we see what really should be done and is the completely natural and correct response, we go into this mode of overly praising it and overly celebrating it, which again, it's what should have happened, but that's kind of the bar. Like that is the behavior that we should expect. This should be met with a complete zero tolerance policy, not only by production, the sense of physically removing Luke from the room, but also Captain Jason and saying, this is unacceptable. This is not anything that I tolerate and you are fired. That's it. And so I just want to say that going in of like, it was handled beautifully, but also exactly how it should have been handled. I think another thing that made this so important in a way, and like you you couldn't really believe that you were seeing such a full story arc, was that it touched on so many of the things. It was really like how we got here, the reactions by the other people, and how important the support and, you know, discussions within the cast and the crew were after the misconduct went down and how that affected it. And also the potential double standard of like, well, him going into Margot's room versus when Laura's going into Adam's room, seeing those side by side and realizing they needed to be handled as the exact same situation. Plus the backlash after, like you just got so many parts of the story and you got to exactly see it play out moment to moment 
And it just so happened to be that it was handled correctly. And you're right. It just felt like just such a, a break the fourth wall, you're in it moment on reality TV. Well, there were just so many different things happening here. And I want to talk about the Margot and Luke situation for a second, separately from the Adam and Laura situation, not because there weren't so many similarities. There were, but there were things that we could take from each of those that were different, which is, you know, with what went down with Margot and Luke and thank God what, what didn't go down because he was removed from her room before anything, thank God could have happened. What we ended up seeing, and Margot was the first one to say this, you know, for a situation that was deeply traumatic and upsetting, a big takeaway was like the real bond of female friendships in the way that Aisha was protecting Margot. And here you have Margot waking up the next day, kind of knowing what happened, but also being fully informed on what happened and being so shaken up, so unsettled, feeling so unsafe and disgusted and uncomfortable and shameful and a range of other emotions that people in those situations often experience, yet simultaneously feeling the most loved and protected and supported that she had ever felt in her life because of the way that the people around her, primarily Aisha and Captain Jason, really banded together to make it known that her safety and her comfort was their number one priority. And to, to, you know, to not only surround her in that moment physically and with their words, but then on top of it for Captain Jason to take the initiative of firing Luke and literally removing him from the premise immediately. I think for Margot, it was like such this tangible form of safety that was immediately contrasting this, the deep sense of unsafety that she felt just hours before. It's like, of course, I wish more than anything that that situation never occurred. But since it unfortunately did occur for her to kind of walk us through, not only in her confessional, but also in real time, what was going through her mind in the aftermath was such, it was just so interesting. I was so happy that there was literally no question about it. Like he just kicked him right off because it was right at the same time that Margot was starting to question like, well, was I too flirty? I did drink too much and bringing that shame and blame spiral on herself, which none of it at all was her fault or had anything to do with her, of course. But there left no room. Nobody was questioning her. He just got him out of there. And I think if she had to have seen him again, it just was not, it wouldn't have been fair. And it was just, it was handled so swiftly that it was like, it was satisfying because I know if I had been sitting there next to her and talking to her the way that they all were, that's exactly what I too would have wanted to happen. And I feel like so many times we watch so many things on reality TV and you just want to like jump through the screen. And this one, I of course was holding my breath, but then seeing the aftermath, I actually felt like, all right, this is like a no bullshit situation we are handling right now. Well, right. And that's the other thing. Not only do we get this very intimate look of the immediate aftermath for Margot, who experienced this, and we see her on the phone with her parents and her family and kind of processing it in real time, but we're also getting to watch the rest of the crew process it. And of course, their primary focus is feeling protective over Margot and of course, wanting to make sure that she feels safe, but also you know, they're all in this crew together and it's a very kind of jarring event and shit gets real very quickly. It's a heavy thing that they all, even if they didn't experience it, they were all there for. And that's why, not that Laura's behavior wouldn't have been disgusting and shocking no matter what, but specifically in contrast to the way that every other person there was reacting and was handling it, it felt like I couldn't, I don't know how to really describe my reaction to that because of course I was so mad at her and so disgusted by her, but I was also so shocked. Like it took me a moment to really process what was going on, which is why I understood Margot when she was saying, Aisha, like, what the fuck is happening here? Basically. It's like it, out of any scenario, the last thing you expect is for anyone, specifically your fellow female crew member to come into the person that the sexual misconduct happened to and not only potentially make them feel guilty for the firing that took place, but also express their deep sadness for the perpetrator being fired. It was like, 
you could have had me list 20 different scenarios on what would have happened in the aftermath. And I never, ever would have come up with that because it was, I couldn't believe that that these were words that were coming out of her mouth. I think she, I actually will go as far as to say, and I know it's like, I don't know any other dynamics. I'm really coming in, like not to sound like Bethany being entirely uninformed and having such strong opinions on watching one episode of television, but I can confidently say I need to see no, nothing other than that one episode to know that Laura is one of my least favorite characters I have ever seen on Bravo ever. I was so skeeved out by her in every single capacity. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. I like actually can't even give it airtime because it made me so deeply upset and uncomfortable and frustrated and mad. And I, you're right. Like, I feel like there was no question. Like there was just like this mutual understanding with everybody, of course, of exactly how everyone was approaching the situation. It was so clear. And when she came in with that and just not even getting the clue after multiple conversations and what she wasn't understanding, especially because it was directly to Margot. Like I-, I couldn't believe it. It would be, I guess, a little different if it wasn't just to her face, but she wasn't, she wasn't understanding. Like you're talking to Margot at a very sensitive time about her. It just made no sense. And then on top of it, her own actions, literally practicing what she preaches clearly, it it was just, it was too much. And she, I think she deserved getting removed as much as he did. And maybe she doesn't understand it, but it was certainly the discipline and the wake-up call that she needed because it was not okay. Do you know how fucked up you have to be to talk to the girl who had a man go into her bed naked and yes, was immediately removed, but if not removed, who knows what would have gone down, who then wakes up, is informed about the situation, is actively traumatized. And you say to her, Oh my God, he he should have come into my bed. And like, I should have satisfied him or else this wouldn't have happened. And it's like, it's like, you know, but you know, so I was, as I was watching this, I, and, and of course you're watching this, you know, simultaneously watching her actions to Adam. So you're so disgusted by her anyway, but there was a, a small piece of me that was also like, holy shit, I am so sad for you that you have such a deeply fucked up relationship with yourself and with men and with the way that men 
forget about view you and treat you, but also should view women and treat women. Because she was telling on herself really in the way that she was handling that just in terms of her complete lack of uh, any sort of a healthy relationship when it comes to that. And of course, we then see with Adam, who could not have been more clear in that he had no interest in her sexually, romantically. He, They had a friendship maybe. And again, I know I'm coming in like Bethany. I really don't have any other context and I'm sorry about that. I don't mean to sound so deeply uninformed. I acknowledge that I'm not, but I don't need to see anything else to know that the way that she was towards him was disgusting. And, you know, he's, he's, trying to be relatively friendly while making it very clear. And not only is she not getting the hint, but it's, it's making him so deeply uncomfortable. And what I think was so like the point that can't be lost in all of this is that in all scenarios, it was really Aisha that was the connector because there are certain things that go on that are black and white, like Luke coming into Margot's room, black and white, not okay. Captain Jason wouldn't have necessarily known about the conversation that took place between Aisha and Margot wouldn't have necessarily known about kind of just the general vibe that was happening between Laura and Adam. And luckily there's someone there who not only has the compassion and the empathy and the emotional intelligence like Aisha to kind of see what's happening and understand it, but then also has the ability to communicate that strongly and, and effectively to the person that can actually make the change happen. And so for her to be able to play both roles of like, I'm going to be your comfort and a therapeutic presence. And also logistically, I can handle this because I know who to tell and how to tell it. That is the exact person. Like if I'm somebody in the business of fucking staffing mega yachts, that I'm using Aisha as my example of exactly the type of employee that I want. Yep. It's, it's Aisha and Jason's world and we're just living in it. Also like this was so far from the point, but as just me, because it's our job and I consume this stuff as a, for a living, watching this and seeing the production point of view and like the involvement and honestly remembering like how many other people are in the room when things like this go down and how when it crosses the boundary of being like dangerous or something, anything that's like, all right, we have to, you know, put reality TV on the back burner. It just was like such a, a an interesting wake up call as a reality TV consumer. And then again, reading this article in the LA Times about what was going through their head and how they got involved and how they really also are kind of their bosses. And it's a work environment for two different reasons than that. You know, housewives, they're there under Bravo. But when you're working on a yacht, you are a yachty and you're working under a captain, but you're also a reality TV star. So like, where do those things go together? And what kind of conversations is production having with Captain Jason? Like just the logistics of it when something like this came to be and how it wasn't just Aisha and Jason, it was also production, like all of them banding together to support the team in the way that was like most appropriate and kind of making sure that everything went as smoothly as it did. Well, I think that they feel, you know, a a deep sense of responsibility to ensure these people's safety. Yeah. like And And they can't just sit behind the lens and watch film something go down. You know, there's a human there. That's the thing. It's it's one thing when people are yelling at one another and, you know, there's a a serious argument going on. That's, That's part of the situation. That's kind of not only what you sign up for, but that's what makes really good TV. When there is a, an offense happening, you cannot sit back and and watch that happen. You have to intervene. And they did. I mean, thank God, like I said, they handled that exactly the way that they should have. I'm not going to go into over-praising mode for something that was handled in the way that it should have been, but it was exemplary and I think can be used. God forbid if these situations occur. And unfortunately they do. That's the thing. And like all, all around, it was just handled beautifully. And I also have to say, again, I have never watched the show. So I was unfamiliar with Captain Jason and with any, like, him as a person, not only the way that he handled it with Luke, with the crew, with Laura, with Asia, but just his general uh, temperament, I found to be so appealing as like a, as a person. And as I would imagine uh, being an authority figure of like, I, I would feel very safe with him driving my ship. I mean, and he's not too hard on the eyes. I mean, like as a total side note, I know it's like so not the point of any of this. Like he also happens to be ridiculously attractive with an accent. Yeah. I mean, what more could you ask for? Yeah. 
I just, I just, again, I just want to thank everyone that was DMing us about this because there's no world in which I would have watched Below Deck Down Under <laughs> if that wasn't the case. And I'm so glad I did. This was like a really impactful episode of television. I'm just so glad it was a slam dunk in terms of being handled because you're right. We can't overpraise it. But when so many eyeballs are going to be on it in this way and it's going to be talked about, like at least let people live through a correct experience versus, you know, maybe not actually learning what you could do. Like it was also educational, which like shouldn't be the job. But when you have this many eyeballs and this much publicity, like it might as well be a learning experience. Oh, abs- oh my God. Absolutely. Are you kidding? I think that that's what it is. It's like zero tolerance. It's, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't speak for anyone else. I can only speak for myself. I have not been in, in a situation in the way that Margo was. I've not had that happen to me. I, I do think as a woman though, unfortunately you sometimes are put in a position where there's a boundary on some level crossed. And oftentimes it is in the aftermath of that, that really can impact the way that that experience is processed within you. Meaning were you made to feel safe in the aftermath? Like already something happens that is traumatic and is terrible. And there's an, a real moment there, like an opportunity for, I'm not for it to be corrected by any means. Don't get me wrong, but like for the people around you to handle it in a way that is nurturing. And I was just so glad to see that the people that were in the closest proximity to her handled it in a way that was very nurturing and made her feel safe amidst a very unsafe situation. And all these buzzy words and hypothetical situations that you hear about all the time and maybe people haven't lived to actually like secondhand get to live one, I think was really impactful and will stick with a lot of people in an important way. Totally, totally. I have like obviously a million more things to say, but how, you know, I just yes. The answer everyone's question, we did watch, and thank you for encouraging us to watch. And yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to mention? I know we kind of decided that the news of this week took precedent over New York and Atlanta, which were both like fine watches, but nothing, nothing to write home about. Yeah, I'm just having such a good time watching them. I just like, I don't know, not not much to say. This all was way more interesting to me, and I feel like. We'll circle back with all of this next week, but just so much to say, you know? Thank God we have a podcast, but even still, it's never enough. And don't forget, Salt Lake City, September 5th, and Southern Charm, September 14th. So within the next month, we have some serious shit coming. Oh, we didn't talk about the Southern Charm trailer, which looks amazing. Oh, we are going to be in our prime. Like, I just You die for Southern Charm. I die for Southern Charm. It is so important to me. This is going to be good. We're getting into our next era, guys, and it's going to be jam-packed fall. I cannot wait. I literally can't wait. Oh, my God. Okay, guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And I know by the time this comes out, Bethany Raquel Part 3 will be out. So buckle up. Buckle up. And we love you. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.